Attention, culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, I'm Shamar. And I'm Andrew. We're going to be doing a deep dive on all the connected DC animated movies in their cinematic universe. Yes, I'm here to discuss the interconnected storylines and point out how jacked everybody is. And I'm here to share deep comic book knowledge like Batman having his own sneaker line. So check out yet another DC animated podcast. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family and coming soon wherever you listen to your podcast. Go for Santa. Oh, 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 oh. oh, the weather outside is frightful. Yep. But the beer is so delightful. <laughs> and since there's nowhere to go, let me drink, let me drink, let me drink. Hey, y'all. It's Christmas Eve when this episode's out. That's true. And we're about to get in that holiday spirit. Oh, yeah. By drinking some Christmas beer mrs claus tell santa what he's drinking today (laughs) (laughs) so this week we are cracking open christmas ale from breckenridge brewery which is based in littleton colorado you may remember that we touched on them during our six-pack stout episode Mm -hmm. when we covered their vanilla porter amazing stuff Mm mm-hmm Uh, So Breckenridge opened its doors in 1990, nestled below the slopes on Main Street in Breckenridge, Colorado. It was founded by Richard Squire and was Colorado's third craft brewery. (laughs) Inside of a year, they were already getting so busy that they started scouting locations in Denver for a second brew pub with space for a bigger brew pub. This was actually done by Todd it's either Usri or Usri, I guess, uh, who went on to become the brewmaster in 1994 and is now the brewery's president. Ooh. Moving on up. So <laughs> in 1992, they opened their second brew pub in Denver. And this location happened to be right next to Coors Field, which became home to the Colorado Rockies. And soon enough, with 50,000 fans drinking beer, it was time to expand again. So in 1996, they moved several miles from their downtown location. And at this point, they were approaching 60,000 barrels per year. Fast forward again to 2015 and Breckenridge Brewery left Denver and moved to a new 85,000 square foot campus in Littleton, Colorado. Whoa. Yep. On a stretch of land that was previously a carnation farm. (laughs) Aw. <laughs> and that area includes a brew house and office building, a building for fermentation and packaging, and its 300-seat farmhouse restaurant and beer garden. 
At this point, they're brewing 70,000 barrels of beer per year. Now, here's the part you're not going to like. At the end of 2015, Anheuser-Busch InBev announced its intent to purchase Breckenridge as part of its high-end craft and import beer brand unit. And the acquisition was completed in 2016. This included Breckenridge Brewery's production facility and farmhouse restaurant in Littleton, as well as its brew pub in Breckenridge. In an open letter to consumers, Todd Usri, Usri, whatever, (laughs) stated that the brewery would continue making its own decisions regarding the beer that it creates. So there's that. You can say that. Yeah. And you can do all you want. But at the end of the day, if ginormous InBev doesn't like what you're doing. They're going to make you change whatever. You're Mm -hmm. no longer independent. Once you get bought out by someone big, someone big owns you. That's true. And now they have distribution in 48 states. I'm assuming the contiguous United States. Missing some states. (laughs) Just looking at their brewery because I remember the um, brewery photos for when I was looking up the stuff Mm -hmm. for the brewery and how like beautiful it was. And like, again, it's just I love the colors that they use for Breckenridge and I love the use of that, and I love the use of brick and wood that they use. Mm-hmm. And like, look at this tap room with the chandelier. It's beautiful. They're like, and this is like one of what? Because I did didn't close the other one, so they're all open. They must all look this gorgeous based on these images I'm seeing. It re- very much reminds me of two roads, but literally like on the slopes. Like yes. if, I, if we were about to go skiing, like a red light wood, mm-hmm. copper, and very bright sunlight like and natural yet, light coming like through. super industrial at the same time slightly yeah i think a little bit more wood than industrial whereas mm-hmm. two roads is maybe more industrial than wood but okay, yes yeah. so let's talk about the beer christmas ale is a multi full-bodied winter warmer that clocks in at 7.1 abv they have a couple scales about the beer for reference and so christmas ale on a scale of light to dark leans darker Okay. <laughs> On a scale of malty to hoppy is very malty. Ooh. And on a scale of session to strong, it leans stronger. That's a weird scale. I yeah. like the other scales. I don't know if I like that scale. Well, so there were only really like, there was the middle ground and then there were like two boxes on either side. So it was like either like a little bit more this way or very much this <laughs> yeah, way. So it's like. There's such a huge difference between a session and like strong, like. A session is almost a type of beer. Like you can't really, that's a weird scale. Yeah. I do like the other scales though. Yeah. The other scales are a little bit more approachable than saying, hey, the IBUs or this or that. (laughs) It has an IBU rating of 22, (laughs) (laughs) which is actually kind of on the lower end for an ale like this. But also, as we know, IBU rating is very subjective. So Breckenridge describes Christmas ale like this, quote, The chill of winter calls for a beer with extra flavor and strength. An abundance of carefully roasted malts creates notes of caramel and chocolate, while Chinook and Mount Hood hops contribute a spicy quality for a balanced and clean finish. Nice. Mm -hmm. Chinook hops were bred back in 1974 by Chuck Zimmerman while he was working for the USDA hop breeding program. And these hops are a cross between Petham, Petham? Golding, and a USDA male. Chinook was released in 1985 and found popularity with both mainstream and craft brewers. For the most part, mainstream brewers liked Chinook for its bittering qualities, 
But craft brewers discovered that the flavor and aroma were something to be appreciated as well, making it suited for a variety of different styles of beer. So it's definitely found popularity as a dual purpose hop variety. (laughs) Chinook is predominantly spicy and piney, both of which transfer into the flavor and aroma. Chinook also contributes bright grapefruit notes that accentuate its clean bitterness. These hops are noted for their higher geraniol content, which is biotransformed by yeast into citronellin citron yep citronellol, <laughs> a highly sought after aroma compound in fruit forward IPAs. Okay. <laughs> Citronellol. There we go. Citronellol. Is it the same thing in citronella candles? I don't think so. Or related to it? Interesting. Uh, and then we've got Mount Hood hops, which are new. Yay. Yeah, it doesn't sound familiar. Well, Mount so, Hood sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so a little bit of background. The rise of U.S. industrial brewing in the mid-1800s put a premium on European noble hops like Haller Tower. Tetnanger and Saz, but American farmers were not able to successfully grow these hops because the terroir of the United States changed the noble hop profile, thus taking away much of what was so sought after in the European varieties. Hmm. So in 1983, Oregon State University breeding program was initiated by Dr. Alfred Hounold with the express purpose of creating an American hybrid that had the same characteristics as the European noble hops. Mount Hood was the first hop to come out of the program, being released in 1989 and followed by Liberty, Crystal, and Ultra Hops over the next few years. I've never heard of Ultra Hops. so They sound super. (laughs) Mount Hood was the first American hybrid hop variety to mirror some of the same characteristics as European noble hops. It is remarkably similar to Haller Tower Herzbrucker, but it retains a higher alpha acid content. Mount Hood went on to become the proverbial golden goose of the 1990s as American brewers and growers took advantage of this low cost option as opposed to relying on expensive European imports. And while it has lost some popularity in favor of newer hop varieties, it's still one of the best options for a hop variety that imparts noble characteristics and also grows well here in the U.S. So Mount Hood, as I mentioned, is similar to Hallertau Herzbrucker. Never heard of it. Herzbrucker. (laughs) Bringing a clean intensity with a light sweetness that is often described as honey-like. It has a warm spice aroma and mild herbal notes like fennel and tarragon, along with floral and lemony elements as well. And hmm. that is what I got. Nice. Thank you. So what's next? You want to crack these open, Santa? Oh, that's what we do next. <laughs> oh, 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 that's right. All right. You ready to crack it open? It's a bottle. I mean, yes. Here we go. I'm going to be challenged, but <laughs> let's do it. Well, I've already opened mine. Hey, hey. you did it. <laughs> <laughs> it smells malty. It does. It just smells malty off the top. All right. Let's choose these glass bottles. Cheers. Ooh, I like it. And I'm going to pour it out now. Yep. Normally, if I get a glass bottle now, I'm so happy You're with so the glass bottle. You're so stoked that you just drink it from the bottle. I drink it from the bottle, but you For can't the purpose really of this, it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Ooh, it's very deep amber. Ooh, it's it's not as dark as I thought it would be, though. No, it's about as dark as I thought. I thought it'd be maybe maybe not. It's not it's a stout. Less, it's less opaque. Yeah, it's not a stout, which I think maybe I was expecting like a stout or porter color. But it's like a deep, it's like a little lighter than the malt brown, the nut brown ale we had from Sam Smith a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. A little lighter than that, but yes. It kind of reminds me of last year's Christmas sale from Anchor. Yes. Mm, no, that was darker. It was darker? Yes. Okay, so maybe I'm thinking of previous years because last yeah. year was like a odd man out version of that beer. Right. It was very different from the previous years we've had. This is like a maple brown, which is nice. It's like mm-hmm. a very maple color. Yep, like maple syrup. That you can definitely see through. Yeah, like you poured maple syrup into a glass. Oh, it's, I'm, all I'm getting off the top is malt. Yep, me too, in a good way. Mm-hmm. We don't have enough malty things mm-hmm. that aren't like stout. And even that, there's so much stuff that covers the malt. It smells nice. All right, I'm going it does. Oh, that was way sweeter than I thought. Oh my God, it's so malty. Whoa. Oh, it's just like malt. It is. It's like a sweet, dark cereal. I mean, they told us. <laughs> they <laughs> did tell us. It does have a little bitterness to it, which is nice. A little bit. Right. It it like the bitterness hits right at the tip of your tongue and then it kind of disappears into the sweetness of the malt. I would agree. But that's nice because the initial taste is so sweet to begin with as mm-hmm. well. Almost overpoweringly sweet, mm-hmm. but the sweet doesn't linger, which I like. The sweet is also at the front of your tongue. This is a very front of your tongue drink. Um, I'm getting a little bit on the sides, on the on my little sweet. Are re- you? sweet? Yeah, your little sweet receptors. Mm-hmm. I'm mostly getting front of the tongue. It doesn't go past like halfway. Even though, isn't though the whole map of the tongue bullshit? Yes, per- <laughs> oh, from what I've read, yes, it's all a lie. Your tongue, every part of your tongue can taste everything. It's yeah. it's not like one part is. This is the sweet part. This yeah. is sour. <laughs> But it is only like the flavors dissipate by the by halfway down the tongue, though. It's almost a little minty. Um, honestly, in the not way that things that. don't, in the way that the sweetness doesn't go past the front half of your tongue, I feel like affects my tongue kind of like mint stuff does. Interesting. Okay. And then the flavor dissipates, and what you get is just this sweet, <sighs> at the end, <laughs> kind of like mint. It doesn't taste like mint to begin with, although I think mint would complement this. This would be great with a dessert. I could see that. For me, I'm getting a surprising amount of that honey that apparently Mount Hood is supposed to. That could be some of that sweetness. Yeah. yeah. Some of that sweetness that doesn't overdo itself and dissipates by that first half because it is a super sweet beer. Just on the level of being too sweet for me. But because the sweetness dissipates so quick mm-hmm. and doesn't linger and it's not heavy, I think it works. Yeah. I think if they toned down the sweetness, it would be perfect. But I still think it works like this. This is a really interesting, nice, sweet but light beer. Mm-hmm. And the malt is just something I really appreciate. Yeah. Because this year for me, and we'll go over it, I think our next episode is our top five. It is. So in that, you know, we'll probably talk about what we were expecting this year, what we were hoping for. And I, I mm-hmm. think this year for me has been the hunt for malt because <laughs> so many episodes, I just referenced malt over and over and that's over true, again. That's true. You did. That this is like the culmination of a year's worth of searching for, <laughs> I want stuff that's really malty. And it's like, this is as malty, I think, as you can get, because this <laughs> doesn't have stuff that hides those malt flavors. This malt is upfront in your face, 
punching you with this this wheat. <laughs> yeah, we had a kind of a dissing, disappointing amount of just like malty brown ales this year, which I was all about. Like when we did get them, mm-hmm. we had the nut brown ale. Yeah, we had some like Mexican beers with the malt, some German stuff with the malt, the extra or whatever had a bunch of malt. Mm-hmm. I but I think this has all of them beat. Yeah, I I still like deep down have a super craving for the brown ale from Bad Sons, Bad Billy or Bad something. I think Bad Billy, yeah. Oh, that was so freaking good. But I think that this is definitely the maltiest beer I think I've had. Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe ever. In terms of just pure, Seriously? In just of just pure malt where nothing else is hiding the flavor. It's not a porter, it's not a stout, it's not a brown ale where the hops really overtake anything. I mean, this mm-hmm. has hops and you can taste them, but the malts are front and center on this beer. Yeah. Okay. In a really fabulous way, I think. It could just be me. Well, my tasters are still a little off, so I'm going to trust you. <laughs> I just love that cereal ness of this beer. Like, and all beers. I just love you that do. cereal taste. That, yeah. I'm that that was your big thing with the Mexican lagers. I'm I'm a big proponent of cereal. <laughs> I think cereal is fantastic. <laughs> so I like beer that tastes like cereal. Mm-hmm. This is so good. Now, I love that offhand mint kind of sensation you get. I love the lightness. Again, this, it is very light for being such a dark color. You'd think that it would sit heavy, but it right. doesn't. I think that has to do with it's the dark color from the malt, but the opaqueness of it. It's so see through. Mm -hmm. It's so like light in its complexion. I don't know. Opacity. Opacity. That that's what makes it not as heavy. Mm. Maybe the color of the darkness of the beer doesn't have as much to do as the opacity of it in terms of being hefty. This is a really nice beer. It's extremely drinkable. And I don't even know if it's really Christmassy. No, I other than well, like I mean, offhand mintiness of it. I mean, I'm it's definitely still not, not s- getting the mint. I, I'll give it to you, but I'm still not getting it. But it's sensation more than taste. Okay. Yeah, this doesn't scream. I really thought it was going to be more spicy. Yes. I think because that's what we associate with Christmas beers. Yeah. Having a lot of spice in it. Like, where's the the nutmeg, the cinnamon, <laughs> the allspice? But, not that it needs it. Exactly. I, this beer is great on its own, but that that's it's just not what I was expecting. Right. And I think that maybe that's what helps it stand apart, though. It's true. Because everyone in their mom's Christmas beer has those spices. Like the, when we did yeah. the six-pack series last year on Christmas beer, they all had some variation it was of all those spices samey. and nutmegs and stuff yeah. like that. You know, there were some outstanding ones among them, but it was pretty samey. And this is very different. From what you'd expect a Christmas beer to be. Mm-hmm. So malty. So much cereal. <laughs> what really stands apart is the bottle. Because I love the bottle. It's so Christmassy. It's super I love it. duper Christmassy. So on the top of the neck of the bottle, you've got the Breckenridge Brewery logo, which is really cool. It's two bees kind of facing each other with lightning mm-hmm. bolts coming out the sides. It almost looks like a like 80s hairband logo like oh, a band yeah, logo for sure for sure absolutely you would just need more lightning coming at the back end mm-hmm. some hair metal guy on the bottom yep 
for sure. That could be the top, that could be the front of their drums. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. But it's like a brick red logo, which kind of goes along with their brewery colors and style. Mm-hmm. The brick in the wood and stuff like that. And then there's in the background of that, there's like a Colorado mountains on the back, the Rockies, <laughs> all green and um, painted on the back of that neck. <laughs> and then the main logo got more of those mountains, but they're snow capped. They're kind of lined. The whole thing is kind of a dark green, like money with these lines going through it to give it like texture, but they're just kind of painted on. They're not like actually textured. So it's got a little bit of like a dollar bill feel, which is kind of cool. Yeah. The it's way mo- that like that style goes. Monochromatic. Yeah. But it's something you don't see, like a style you don't see a drawn other than on money and stuff. Those yeah. extra lines to create this texture and, and depth, extra depth to the image. Uh, the snowcap mountains come down into a forest of pine trees that are snow covered and some snow on the ground. And then up front is a, it says Christmas in this red font that's got a little bit of snow on it. It's super stylized, like script mm-hmm. cursive, like all capital letters. It looks like a Muppet Christmas Carol Christmas. It does. Yeah, that's the font that it reminds me of. Yeah. So it looks like this should be Muppets Christmas Ale, basically. Mm-hmm. If that helps you picture it in your mind. Uh, but underneath that Christmas, it has a, like a little red banner. And the front of that, the middle of that banner says ale with a wreath around it. And then the side of the banner says sense on the left and on the right, it says 1993. So basically you get a sense ale 1993 banner, but the <laughs> wreath kind of blocks it from actually saying that. And then you've got in regular, just aerial font in white it says multi full bodied winter warmer. And then Breckenridge brewery is kind of shadowed in font on the very bottom. So you can actually see Breckenridge brewery on the label. Yeah. The left side of the label just has your normal, you know, barcode, nothing special. This was actually doesn't have a bottle date, but this has one of the best enjoyed by dates, which is nice. It's oh, always cool. good to have those. So this is best enjoyed by the 13th of March, 2022. Oh. You got three months to find this and drink this. I don't think it's going to last that long here. <laughs> no, not at all. This is going to go by pretty quick. because uh, <laughs> I might have another one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not cold. It's never cold. Oh, and the bottle actually has embossed Breckenridge Brewery logos along right underneath oh, the nice. neck as we well. Oh, nice. We were just talking about that, yeah. too. So there are five of those. Or four I wonder, of those the- did they have that on the vanilla porter? I can't remember. Uh, Probably. Yeah. I don't remember. Probably. But if somebody's looking for something that's super malty, or if somebody's getting into beer, mm-hmm. and you want a good kind of... What does malt taste like? When Mike and Elise talk about malt, what are they talking about? Or what does anybody talk about with malt? And you're used to IPAs or other beers or lagers and you don't know like how to taste the malt from the hops and stuff. Mm -hmm. This is a great beer to learn that taste. Yeah. Because this is all malt. It's like that sweetness you're tasting right now, that that kind of cerealness, Mm -hmm. that's malt. And then from there, you can go and pick that out of other beers. And I think that this is a great way to start with malty beers. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But yeah, this is especially this time of year. Yeah. You're going to get more multi beers this time, but this is unobtrusive. Like we said, no spices or anything blocking it. Mm -hmm. That's perfect for that. Again, I don't think this would go along with a lot of foods, but I think this would go along with a lot of desserts. It would be kind of lost among food. Yeah. Desserts. Yes. Foods. No. (laughs) (laughs) On its own. Perfect. Faux show. And that's all I got. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to drink the rest of this beer while you read your spiel. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode. And if you enjoyed it, please rate it, review it, share it with your friends and subscribe to catch our future episodes. You can find us on crackwomenopen.com or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at open or shoot us an email at open at gmail.com with any comments, questions, or suggestions because we always want to hear from you. Indeed. 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 And what else you got to plug? I got audiobooks you guys need to buy because I really need to get on my day job. It's the end of the year. I really want to be out of here by now, and I couldn't. If you go to audible.com and find books by Michael Butler, there's a bunch of horror books. There's a Guy Ritchie type uh, book called Switch Art Fraud and Gangsters, where I do a bunch of British accents. Uh, uh, Coffee at Midnight, Vacation Planet, Progressive Entrapment, The Final Girl, uh, The Murder of Kelly Christopher, which is kind of a mystery book. Go check those out. Go buy them. I don't make money on them unless you get them. And again, I didn't write them. I just narrated them. You narrate the hell out of them, baby. <sighs> Thank you so much. Thank you. You can check out my reviews as well. The reviews for these books are very well done. And my reviews are, are absolutely stellar. So I don't know why you're not picking these up and helping me live my dream of not working my day job. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, pick those up. I've also got other podcasts I do. I got Forgotten Cinema, a podcast with my buddy Mike Field, where we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, maybe don't love about it, but we always recommend you revisit it. You never know. You might find your own Forgotten Gem. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you can get your podcasts or ForgottenEntertainment.com, where this podcast is also available, along with a number of other fantastic podcasts from within our podcast family and company. So check all of those out and you have yourself a very Merry Christmas. <laughs> Let your hearts drink beer. <laughs> Well, that might be a little difficult. From now on, <laughs> your troubles will be out of sight because you're drinking beer. <laughs> and from cracker and open, have yourself <laughs> a merry little Christmas. Now. Cheers, baby. Cheers. And a special thanks for our theme, which which was composed and performed by Joe Riker. But not that one I just sang. <laughs> <laughs>